Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and this is a special episode. We have a very special guest, my wife, Elizabeth. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. It's a warm one. It's a warm one, although it's cloudy right now, but it's something like 99 degrees. So it's been... It's been a little bit of a struggle, a struggle the last couple of days to like get out before it gets too hot with Georgie and stuff. And what have you been up to today? I got up at 6 a.m. to play tennis at 7 a.m. To your point of it being warm, it just made more sense to get out early. Do you have a nap in the future coming up? Well, I would maybe like to take a nap in the future, but I have to drive you around so you can go uh, drink and brew beer. Yes, yeah, it'll be a fun day. You know, the last <laughs> last couple weekends, we've sort of just been staying home, and we've we've actually been socializing a bit in very small groups. So we had a couple people over for dinner and had friends passing through town. So yeah, there's also been a decent amount of like just work over the weekends, and we moved to a new home, so we're like doing some stuff but yeah the the riskiest thing we did with our friends over for dinner is we played a game like where you had to pass stuff so we were all touching the same pieces it was i know it's a little nerve-wracking but i think we're all okay yeah we had a long discussion beforehand like whether (laughs) whether we would play some sort of electronic game like uh, they call it jackbox is that the name of it so there's some electronic games you could play on your phone or tablet or whatever and eventually we were like, you know, I think we're okay. Both, uh, you know, both couples, it was only four of us total, but we generally have not been socializing or doing anything. And we're pretty cautious and cleanly overall. If you just had to judge, judge people that, you know, casually. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, they're clean. I yeah, think they, they, look- they, yeah. Yeah, they they don't look like, uh, what's the, the Peanuts character that always has pig, like a... Pig pen. Pig pen, that was... Pigpen, yeah. That was his name? I mean, that's what they called him. Wow. I mean, it probably wasn't on his birth certificate. Yeah, that's a tough one. People know what we're talking about, but yeah, I wonder if they could call, call a kid that these days. Calling kids that right now. <laughs> so this, this episode, <laughs> we're going to talk about jobs that I've had. So I, I saw, I think it was maybe like one of my friends had a YouTube video and she went through like all the jobs that she had in the past. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea to rip off and talk uh, just basically about myself. We can hit some of your jobs too. We didn't, I didn't log your, your jobs, but we may as well throw yours in too, right? If you're up for it, Elizabeth. Sure. All right. And before, before we get into it, what are you laughing at? She just burped. Georgie's uh, head is in my lap and she just burped. So if you heard that, it wasn't me, it was her. It's, it's pretty funny. I should video this sometime, but basically, if we sit down, Georgie, our dog, wants to play. And she has a ball and some other kind of squeaky toy around here. So she just wants us to throw it. And if we sit quietly, she expects us to. So we're, we're sitting here chatting. She doesn't realize there's cords and microphones and, and that sort of thing. So she almost stepped on the recorder a second ago. But hopefully this will work out. She's a little confused. I think she realizes she just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I see there's buttons and lights flashing, but I'm just going to step right on that thing. So anyway, we're going to talk about jobs that I've had from the beginning. And maybe we'll find some common thread between any of them, or maybe it just ends up a job 
uh, where that's what the next logical step was or something like that, or it was just an accident. So I have no clue. All right. Hopefully I'll be able to say something that I've learned or a big takeaway from each one, which I haven't thought about ahead of time. So we'll see how that goes. Number one, I have talked about this before, but I had a lawn care business and it originated from me wanting to get a CD player when I was about 12 years old. And my dad said, sure, you can get a CD player, but how are you going to pay for CDs and blah, 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 come up with a plan. And the next morning I went out with a lawnmower and uh, started pushing it around the block, going to houses that had grass that was too long and knocked on the door. And yeah, I started from there. I started passing around flyers, which I actually still have one of the original, the actual original flyers from whatever, how many years ago would that be? 30 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So a very old flyer, misspelled words. I think it added character, but I had like a, I think I had a Tandy 1000 EX computer with a dot matrix printer. So I opened up whatever the text app was and put together a little flyer, misspelled words, uh, no graphics, right? I spelled lawn work with each of the letters, right? So I ended up uh, spelling like a huge banner. So the large L for lawn was made up of whatever, 200, not 200, but maybe like 20 different L's to, to shape the letter. So pretty fun. I did that through high school and college. You did that through college too? For a while, yeah, because I had... I had people that basically needed their grass cut. So I, I think I tapered it down to the ones that I really wanted to work with, where it was more money or easier work or people that I liked. And I would do it over the weekends. Yeah. Now you have consistently, when you tell me the story said lawn care, but really you just mowed grass, right? Did you do other things? Oh, I did a full, full suite. You did not yeah. do full service. Well, what happens is, People ask you to do other stuff because they don't want to work in the yard. Like so, what? So first, you, you know, you end up doing like the lawn. Of course, you cut the grass. You do uh, like weed eating and, you know, just trimming in, in general. But then people have hedges and bushes that they need trimmed up. So would borrow my my family's hedge clippers and do those. And then in the fall... Usually there's a lot of leaves that that come down or pine straw. So you end up doing that kind of work. Then I actually ended up working with a few, few old guys that were, they were probably like, uh, you know, over 70 or so. And they had some sort of heart episode surgery. They couldn't get out there, but they had always worked in the yard their whole lives. They just needed someone to move things around and make sure they weren't overexerting themselves. So I worked for probably two or three people like that where they just needed, you know, young, strong boy <laughs> <laughs> to go. Uh, they just you had know, you bending over a lot. Yeah. Just pick up whatever, move dirt around and yeah, just generally do that stuff. So I would, I would do really what, whatever, whatever kind of labor in the yard that people didn't want to do. I'm trying to think if there were other, I'm sure there were, you know, Hey, we got some gravel unloaded or we need to move this gravel from this side of the yard to the other and just move stuff or spread mulch, right? Like we're going through landscaping things right now. So they would have like a truckload of mulch dumped in their driveway. And then I would go move it, you know, one shovel at a time through the yard. 
it was pretty fun. It was hard to price things because, you know, I had no, no clue when I first started, you know, I was like 12, 13 years old. So if I was making, you know, 10 bucks an hour, like that was a lot. I don't remember what minimum wage was back then, but it was probably like four something, four thirty-five. Yeah. And I mean, I couldn't get a job like at, at a business anyway. I think, I think you had to be like 14 generally. I think I had some friends that were 14 and they worked like bagging groceries or whatever. So yeah, for pricing that out, I had no idea. And then as I got older and realized that, you know, was, I was doing like hard work and people would pay me, you know, more than $20 to cut their grass. Then I started like charging more and more and I tried to, you know, figure it up. I think generally I was probably making like 15, 20 bucks an hour. Um, once I sort of like dialed it in. So nice. And you bought a lot of stuff with the money from that, right? You bought your first car. Yeah. First car. And that was sort of, uh, my parents. So I, I paid for the down payment and then my parents like paid for, uh, like the payments and insurance. So that was sort of the deal. And sadly I ended up totaling that car within like six months or so just stupid left turn in front of, uh, in front of another car while the light was turning yellow. So it was sad, but now I'm extremely cautious turning left, probably too cautious. But <laughs> I also paid for a lot of like college things. So I bought like my first computer for school, which ended up being pretty expensive back then in you know, 96, 97 and other cars like throughout. Cause after the, the first car, you know, got totaled. Then I bought like used cars after that. So there was always some kind of, you know, major repair, which wouldn't be as significant now, of course, but you know, back then, if you're like 19 years old and you, your timing belt breaks, then, you know, you got to pay like $1,500, $2,000. So most people don't have that sitting around when they're in college trying to pay for school too. So, all right. And I guess we could kind of go back and forth. So what was your first uh, job that you recall? Oh gosh, that I recall, it's just babysitting, probably. I mean, I I started babysitting, probably. I I don't know. I can't even guess. Maybe like ten. I mean, some sort of ridiculous age. I was babysitting, um, and I nowhere near ten bucks an hour. I think if I got paid five bucks an hour at the start, that was probably a pretty good wage, but mostly in the neighborhood, you know, I couldn't drive. So just, I grew up in neighborhoods. And so there was lots of families with kids and it's like the John Mulaney horse, John Mulaney joke where it's like horses watching dogs. It's just like a slightly bigger dog. You know, they can dial nine one one quicker. That was me. And, um, yeah. How old were the kids you were watching? Um, you, I don't think I watched many babies at that age. I, I watched babies when I got a little bit older, um, but I don't know, you know, it, ra- you know, it ranged, but um, yeah, I did a lot of babysitting. And then my first sort of corporate, not really corporate job or whatever. Um, my mom had a friend who had a card shop, like a, I don't want to say like a knockoff Hallmark um and sort of all of us from the church ended up working there at some point. And she was also a wedding planner. And this is before you could go online and order 
all of the stationary and invitations or like e-invitations, things like that. And so if you got an invitation to a party, I mean, you probably remember it was on this nice little graphic card stock with like fun fonts and things like that. And you used to have to go into a store and get that done. And so she did invitations and she, she did like wedding invitations. And so it was this kind of complicated machine to load the program and, um, and get those printed and customers signed off on proofs. It was the most God awful boring job in the world. It, I mean, time stopped in there. It was truly horrible. And I remember the first credit card receipt, the credit first credit card I took and I did it totally wrong. Um, I forgot you, that was back when you had the, um, carbon copy. So I forgot to run the carbon copy. I did run it through the electronic reader anyway. Um, yeah. So yes, that's, those are my first jobs and that store doesn't exist anymore. She had it for like 30 years or something like that. And then she got a little older and sold it. But, um, I think about that and I'd love to sit down and talk to her about having like a small brick and mortar business for that long where the margins were probably super thin and how, how she kept that running for so long and why, and what that was all like. Yeah. And while you were talking about how boring the job was, I, remember one of the other odd odd jobs that I got sort of roped into so I cut grass I cut grass for this lady and she was she, she sadly she was uh, sort of depressed and sort of down on her luck with like her family life and stuff like that and she basically was a like a pack rat sort of person a hoarders type person before the show was out <laughs> and she would just go around to garage sales and basically get junk and haggle and then fill her garage and basically her whole house. So there was just like stuff, junk piled up to the ceiling and she needed help like sorting it. And then she would have her own garage sales. She was trying to flip it. She was trying to flip it out there and uh, people can't see this now, but Georgie is chasing her tail. She's kind of freaking out a little bit. Let's pause it here and try and get it under control. So anyway, they, I ended up helping her like do garage sales and for stuff like that, I ended up trying to just charge by the hour. And I think, I, I don't remember if like five, 10 bucks an hour or something like that. So it was good for me, but it was, it was boring. And I'm like, you want me to help sort this junk? All right. Like it's your, it's your time. It's your time if you want to pay me. So, Okay. After that, so I cut grass for a while. You did some stationary stuff. Then went to college. So I went to college and we were talking the other day. We both went to Georgia Tech and I didn't apply anywhere else because I basically didn't want to write essays. And I was, I thought that was some, you know, huge thing. And I want to say that there's application fees. I, I don't know how widespread. So you would have to pay whatever, 50 bucks, which now, you know, I think we're several years out from school, but I'm just like the racket of the university system and all of that. I, I'm just like, how can they, how can they even charge to do that while they're taking all that money from you? Anyway, that's a whole other, 
whole other topic. So we went to Georgia yeah. Tech. Well, hold on. Let me. So yeah. back when we went to Georgia Tech, it was the application was your demographic information, your SAT score, and your GPA. That was it. That was the best application. I don't know if it was for in-state and out-of-state, but for in-state, yeah, it was like, what's your GPA, what's your SATs, and what's your name? Yeah. That was a good application. My mom did most of my applications, by the way. I mean, I wrote my essays, but I, do, I just, I don't know. I just didn't want to do them. I thought they were just a pain in the butt. And so she filled out all my applications for me. And, you know, I wrote my essays and whatnot, but she did everything else. <laughs> and you did, you, did you tell me the other day you didn't, you did not apply to MIT, even though you or is that one that you did apply to and you're just like, nah, I don't want to go there. I did not apply to MIT, but apparently mom said they were sending me lots of stuff. And I just, I was just over applications. I was like, I, you know, whatever. I don't want to. And Small. She, she thinks if I had gone there, my life would have turned out better. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think probably. Yeah. Yeah. So we're slightly going on a tangent, Sorry. but I'll, no, I'll even go farther into the tangent, but the, University ratings are somewhat based on the number of applications received and the number of students that are accepted. And that is like the U.S. News and World Report. So anytime there's some sort of metric where you now understand the inputs, then it can be abused. So the universities, say Harvard, for example, they would like send out a bunch of documentation and like, Hey, you should apply. You should really apply. Cause then they'll be able to reject you. I'm not saying that's what oh, was going to happen. Solid burn. I think, I don't think that's what happened to you. You're different. Now <laughs> you, you, you could have definitely, did you look at any Ivy league schools? I don't remember. I was very unmotivated and it obviously was not just as an isolated incident. But the funny thing too, sorry, the last one, Clemson wanted me to go there and I can't remember why. And it they were pathetic. Like they were almost begging me to come. Like they're like, you don't even have to apply. Like we'll just give you all this money. Would you please come here? And they wanted me to go there. I wish I'd saved some of the letters. They wanted me to go there so bad that you know, it's almost like when someone likes you too much, you know, when you're like 17, 18, you're like, something must be like this person's just not, they're not playing hard to get. They just, they want it too bad. But yeah, Clemson was, was pathetic. They just wanted, you know, females in the engineering schools, I guess. Huh? Maybe I was pretty smart. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I, was, yeah, smart, yeah. I was, yeah, I was all out the window yeah. now. Used to be smart, but you know, Alcohol use it, killed lose it. all those brains. Yeah, use it or lose it. This episode is brought to you by Ezoic. Ezoic is a Google certified partner, and they've recently rolled out their new site speed accelerator. Basically, it speeds up your, your site. It makes it load faster, and you really see a huge improvement most of the time with the Google PageSpeed Insight score. Now, if you already have a high page insight score, then it's not going to go up as much. But I had experience with uh, one of my sites. Basically, it went from the high 20s, low 30s to the high 90s just by implementing the Site Speed Accelerator. Now, a few people have asked me about using Ezoic and basically using their DNS. The best way you can use 
the site speed accelerator and Ezoic in general is to use their DNS. And the reason why is you're able to use their caching and their CDN. That's a content delivery network. Basically, those are services. Those are things you would typically have to pay for separately, but it's included with the site speed accelerator. There's a free seven day trial. So I encourage you to check it out. And pe- again, people are concerned about using the DNS of some other third party. But basically, if you use a CDN, that is what you do. That That's like the thing that happens. If you use a CDN, you have to use another DNS and things are loading sort of outside of your normal registrar and your hosting account, but it helps your site load faster. So it's sort of implicit and I do it myself. So I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you're using a CDN, then you're using other uh, servers to load your site anyway. This is a site speed accelerator. So you need to use caching in the CDN. Thus you have a much faster loading site. So there's no harm in checking out the free seven day trial. And thanks again to Ezoic. All right. Well, that actually brings us to a good good segue there. So I did go to Georgia Tech, as, as you did too. But from my perspective, it was really hard and not a whole lot of fun up until maybe like the last year or two. So like, you know, a lot of the engineering schools that are tough and well-renowned, a lot of times you hear there's like a pretty high first-year dropout rate they're trying to weed people out. I get that. That makes sense in some ways, but it's stressful. It's very stressful. And the other thing with Georgia Tech and many other engineering schools is it was like 70% male. So it's rough, right? Like you go to college, you see movies like uh, maybe Animal House or <laughs> Lord. Revenge of the Nerds or what's some other... Uh, good college old uh, school uh, old school sure yeah you think college is going to be fantastic and then you get there and it's really hard further there's a lot of weird dudes weird engineering dudes that are like socially inept like myself right so we don't know what to do and i realized that after that first year i was like i need to like get out in the normal population a little bit i'm like we're in a weird bubble so over the summer i want to make sure that i'm doing something like with the normal population. So I got a job at Applebee's as a server back in uh, the hometown in Lawrenceville. So I worked there for maybe like three, four months, something like that over the summer. I Were you any good at it? Like I, I do not imagine if I had come to Applebee's and you had been my waiter, like I, I feel like you would have walked away and I would have been like, that guy is awkward. No, it's pretty good. I mean, you think like, you were good? Do you think you made good eye contact and like smiled and Yeah, like, I would the key is you don't ever <laughs> stop looking at someone. You you lock on and you you don't let up. Yeah. Like a handshake. You don't never never, never let go. Handshake, yeah. yeah. I the the good part the good part about me, one of the many <laughs> fantastic things. We're dead sober right now folks, by the way, it's just the middle of the day. But when I, I, I adapt well to like new environments. So at Georgia Tech, a lot of people were quiet, somewhat awkward. At least I wasn't putting myself in the 
more social position. So I see that now, but if you just chill in the, the dorms and you're studying hard, like everyone else is just kind of like stressed out too. So I, I adapted to what everyone else was doing. So at the restaurant, people were more outgoing. I literally wanted to put myself in a position where I had to talk to people. They, they had to talk to me if they wanted to get food or drinks. It was all built in and people were way more social. So I think I adapted pretty well. I prob, I, one great thing with me is I do the admin bullshit pretty well. I show up on time. They tell me to, you know, do the safety protocol for X, Y, and Z. I can do all that stuff really well, where probably the, servers that excelled, maybe they wouldn't show up on time, but they were really good with the customers. So I think, I don't know if it balanced out, but I I always showed up on time and I filled in for shifts and did doubles when they needed me, but I was not the strongest uh, server. However, I think if I would have kept at it, because I was only there for like one, you know, one stretch, one segment. And I probably was just like, I was probably just getting close to being competent, (laughs) but I did learn. I I learned about like, you know, waiting tables and like under understood on the, you know, the other side of, of the server equation, which I think is important because I usually, I think most people that, most people that wait tables end up tipping well in perpetuity. And I think I usually tip pretty well. You're a, you're a generous tipper. And I know usually I like aim a, like whatever 20% is, I'll like pay a dollar more because you know, most of the time that dollar is going to go farther for them. And they're like, oh, wow, I got, you know, I got tipped over 20%. That's great. So, yep. So th- I did that for, for this summer and it was pretty fun, pretty fun. And yeah, it was a good group of folks. I was in Nate. I think probably we're talking the same summer after freshman year. I think my summer after freshman year, potentially, I was a nanny for two boys. I think they were like seven and five or six and four or something like that. They were pretty young. Best birth control a 19 year old can ever have. It was, yeah. it was, it was intense. They killed a hamster on my watch. Ooh, that's yeah. like early serial killer kind of stuff. Well, you know, those things are pretty fragile. Um, but yeah, they killed a hamster and it wasn't their hamster. They were pet sitting, hamster sitting, whatever, two hamsters for a neighbor. They were on vacation or something. So they killed a hamster. So that wasn't a good like conversation to have with the parents when they came back. But like, Within the next week or something like that, they killed the other one, not on my watch when the uh, when the parents were at home. Wow, that's awful. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it is, but I just the point is, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after that, I mean, the other good thing with Georgia Tech is they had a very strong co op program and you know, just otherwise like good relationships with the the big businesses in the Atlanta area. So I got, I got into that sort of co-op area pretty quick after that. And I got, it sounds, we'll get to that, that part soon. But one other thing is I also, I can't remember if it was that summer after freshman year, but I took a couple um, semesters at the community college close by. 
um, just for variety for some classes that I struggled with over at Georgia Tech. So funny enough, I spend a lot of time writing right now. So the class that I had to drop at Georgia Tech was like the English, whatever, comprehension 101. Just I didn't mesh with the the English teacher. He was awful. He was awful. So that was sad. And I'm perhaps mixing up my timeline a little bit, but that's, I also, I also did the community college for those semesters again, to just like get out of the normal, like Georgia tech bubble that I was in. Yeah. Doug and I had very different Georgia tech experiences. I, I did not, I mean, it, it, it's a weird place. I knew it was a weird place. It's also weird cause it's in smack dab in the middle of downtown Atlanta. I mean, it's just kind of just an odd school overall, but I, I did not feel the need to go find normalcy outside of Georgia tech while I was there. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, part of it is where you spend your time. And I think you lived off campus like a little bit more than I, well, I, yeah, I, I mean, never lived off campus. I mean, yeah, I lived on campus my freshman year and then I was off campus for the rest of it. Yeah. So that'll come back into place hmm. somewhere. Um, one other job that I had was at a startup back in the like late nineties for the original internet bubble. And I th- I think I got that job just from like a temp agency. I temp agency, and I literally did like data entry of like auto parts into their database. Pretty sure it never went anywhere. I think it was some people that ended up getting maybe a little money or a little funding. So they had a slightly technical person, and then an auto parts person, and then a couple morons like me, like doing data entry. And it was a range of. Yeah, morons from different different walks of life and different ages and stuff. So it was kind of fun that we, you know, we're sitting in our little little warehouse room typing in into the computer and just it was silly. But I actually put that on my resume for a while because I I thought startup sounded more interesting than some of the other things that I could put on my on my then resume. Junior Appleby server. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> that didn't last long. Another odd job in college. Now it's, it's sort of coming back. I think like maybe those couple semesters because I think I took two semesters just interspersed through my uh, college career. I worked at Structure, the oh, men's yeah. clothing store. But I, where didn't you get the job? Oh, this you're skipping ahead, but I didn't oh, get sorry. a job at American Eagle. But that, even with the Structure experience. Yeah, yeah. Please, we're we're breaking the timeline. Here. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. So because that'll that'll be more interesting later. I'm sorry. Okay, so you worked at Structure. <laughs> yep, and I was just like, oh, it's it's coming up to the holidays, and I I'm going to be you know close by when I play small. So yeah, I'll apply there. I can get some fly new clothes. You know, it'll be fun. And you're like a little uh, preppy Joe exotic hustling (laughs) around, just going, going where the demand is. Applebee's maybe structure. Of course. Do you want your lawn mode? Mrs. Goldenblatt, you know, Uh, Oh, another garage sale. Yeah. So I did uh, structure and I learned how to fold clothes, uh, you know, really well. Did you promptly forgot that apparently (laughs) I, I had a good time there. I think the people were, you know, relatively 
enjoyable to hang out with and co-ed was there I, I don't know is that just a men's store or is that men and women's uh just men's oh yeah but it was a question like, a questioning time for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it ended up being a good you know good good fun time and there was plenty of plenty of hours so again i show up on time if they need someone to fill in like that kind of work was way easier than, than doing like lawn care stuff. And, Oh, and I was still doing lawn care, whatever during summers, whenever grass was growing, you know, it's not lazy. So yeah, those were, those were sort of the odd, the odd jobs. And then I started co-oping. So I worked at Nortel networks in Alpharetta, and people, I know there's a lot of people in the Atlanta area. So the place right off Windward Parkway, right at 400. And of course now it looks completely different. It was just a lot of wooded area back then, but I actually met some good friends there, people that I know that I still keep in touch with now. And yeah, it was an awesome co-op job. And the, the co-op is a little bit different from an internship in that the co-op is sort of an agreement to keep coming back semester after semester. You alternate. So you you work one semester, then you take classes. You get paid pretty good. I think I my pay was ranging from I think maybe like twelve, thirteen dollars at the beginning to probably like eighteen bucks by the end. And you could work overtime. So if they needed extra extra whatever, right? Extra coding, then you get time and a half. So that's pretty good pretty good pay. And I did software development and testing and it was pretty fun. I, I think there's probably still code that I wrote way, way back in the day. Oh on, yeah. Did you put any Easter eggs in your code? No. Any back doors? <laughs> no, no, oh, okay. nothing, nothing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember any of that anyway. So yeah. What about your internships? So I did not co-op. Um, I don't, I don't really, I didn't really prepare for this. So I definitely was a nanny one summer. I think I did summer classes one summer. And then I did a six month internship with the Coca-Cola company it was kind of the premier internship that I applied for and got out of the IE school. And it was a joke. It, um, they had massive layoffs a few years after I finished, which was, not a big surprise to me. I was in the engineering development division and I, you know, I was 20, 21, thought I knew everything, of course. Um, but I still contend like people didn't do much there. And yeah, it was, it was pretty boring, a lot of wasted time. And when the layoffs came through, I think that division was either eliminated or severely gutted. So, um, I did that. That was interesting. And I think that was probably a good thing to have on my resume, right? It's, you know, one of the most recognizable, profitable or whatever companies in the world. And then while I was in school, I, um, there was a freshman tutoring program. I can't remember what it was called, like tech with tutors or something. Um, that wasn't what it was called, but so I tutored freshmen, um, basically all the way through college in, calculus. It was mostly calculus, chemistry, and physics. And then my senior year, I was one of the, um, like 
tutor leads. So I didn't actually tutor, but I made the schedule and I would go around and check on the tutors and make sure they were there and doing their jobs. And that was not bad either. I think that was like 12 bucks an hour or something like that for like super easy work, especially when you weren't the one actually um, teaching teaching kids, kids just a few years younger than you, those youngsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know that I had, um, there was one guy, Todd, um, I will leave his last name out of it, but I know he passed classes because of me. There are certain, certain kids, um, that would not have made it through freshman year without me. And we always, I, Doug, you probably remember some of these tutors maybe, but we always had a huge bag of mints. So we would go down there and I think we had like polo shirts on. So they knew, you know, who the tutors were because I think I was tutoring freshmen when I was a freshman. Um, but you know, you're the same age as them. You look like you should be in the study hall. And, uh, we had a huge bag of mints. And so you just like put the mints on the table and the kids would come over and have some mints. I think we also probably caused quite a few cavities, but more than that. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, one of my roommates in sophomore year, right? So I, I always lived on campus and I was doing the co-op. So after freshman year, I was just, I would just bounce in for like one term and then move out. So I didn't have like strong bonds with roommates or whatever, but there was one dude who he went to the dentist. I'm like, oh man, how, how'd it go? Do you have any cavities? You know, just joking around. He's like, yeah, I had like 27 cavities. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? And he, he, um, like his mom bought him like a 10 pound bag from Sam's of peppermint. So he was always just sugar filled his mouth. So I think he cut back after that. He's <laughs> like, I think it's these mints. So weird, weird times. He also had like he and his roommate were like good friends because his roommate was co-oping, moved out for a semester. I moved in. Basically, they were they had lofts, right? Do you remember the lofts that people would build in mm -hmm. there? So the loft was like, I don't know, 18 inches off the ceiling or something like that. Oh, like yeah. Just enough to crawl up there and like lay down. And uh, it gave you obviously a ton of space underneath, but it was just weird to to sleep up there. Did you sleep on the top bunk ever? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, we each had our bed like on the other side of the room. What? Right. So I was, they were both top bunks. Okay. Or they, or That's neither. Fine. Yeah. Was no, I was just bunk. like, yeah. did you, I mean, did you, I guess I meant, did you ever sleep high? Oh yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was strange. It definitely like lifted up and hit my head a couple times there along with the layoffs that you mentioned. So I worked at Nortel for a little while and the stock was going through the roof and they actually let the, they let this co-op employees join the 401k number one. So I put, started putting money in then back then I've rolled it. So of course it didn't amount to much, but I, for whatever reason I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. I do have the option to do it. I'm going to do it. And they also had, the discounted stock purchase plan. I don't mm. know what you call that, but you get 15% off. So their stock was like going through the roof. So I made some money with that and I would get awarded my whatever shares that I, I would buy at a discount. And then I would often just sell them right back and just have the extra money. Mm. So that was, that was fun. Downside 
they were hit hard by the internet bubble and uh, their stock crashed. And I think they sold to some other company and they let all the co-ops go basically. So I had to find another co-op gig, which I did. It, it was okay. Wasn't as fun. Did, you know, software testing. So just a little bit different, still in the same, same sort of world, but yeah, the co-op co-op gig at Nortel was awesome. Like I said, I met some good friends and I remember uh, one, one thing that I used to do, one thing that I did, I was like, we can, we can reserve these conference rooms and just have these co-op meetings. I was like, we can kind of just have a pizza party and play games if we want to. Is anybody interested in doing that? So yeah, we put together a, basically like on a Friday afternoon, a you know three hour co-op meeting. We ordered pizza, we hung out, we just like goofed off it goofed off and didn't do any work. So which at the time you probably felt pretty um like you were doing something really bad. But I mean, now that we've been in business for longer. That's team building. Yeah, that is that is team building right there. They yeah. and the, and they probably knew too and they were just like whatever. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's team building. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So yeah, good good crew and if there's college students out there, you know, co-op for me it, it I mean it, that's how I paid for school and like I mean I got I got scholarships um, via the Hope scholarship which pays for tuition but tuition is not very much at Georgia Tech a state school or at least it wasn't back then I have no clue what it is now but that's only a fraction of all the stuff you have to pay for housing food whatever so I co-opted all the way through I think until the very last couple semesters kept working out there so and you just did the one six month um gig and Mm -hmm. then you just went went through school finished in a normal amount of time yep right we had a lot of ap credits yeah i had a couple but not very many Uh, and then i failed classes and did bad bad stuff so you did a good job thank you (laughs) congratulations look at us now look at us now all right. Any any other stuff uh, college wise or co op or anything like that? I don't think so. In another point, oh, sorry, it's not oh, a yeah. job. But what was really fun? Did, I, did you do any of this? It, the psych department, the psychology department, was always looking for subjects for their experiments, and so they had a board and you know various either surveys or whatever. Just and it might pay ten bucks. It might pay five bucks. It might might pay 50. So I used to go look at the psych board. Yeah, I did. I did a few of those. I think I did most of them for like extra credit in whatever class. That's right. But yeah, I did quite a few. And I think people should remember that when you see studies, a lot of times they're done in an academic setting with random people that happen to be college students at whatever school it was done. So it's not a great sample. um, Normally, (laughs) it's just like, the, the people that need extra credit or need money. They were fun though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did a handful of those. I, I totally forgot. At some other point in time, I realized, ah, you know what? I kind of want to do something even more different. And I decided to work in the Rocky Mountain National Park. One of my friends said, hey, I worked out in the Grand Teton area. There's this website called cooljobs.net and jobs are listed for national parks and other seasonal work. So I checked it out, 
almost worked at Yellowstone and then ended up at the Rocky Mountain National Park, which is only 45 minutes away and ended up helping me realize that I enjoy the mountains more than a bunch of trees in the Southeast. It's, it's nice, you know, the river is nice. The humidity is nice, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I enjoy the mountains out here. So I worked out there in the summer in the snack bar. So I, <laughs> I think I was much better at snack bar work versus waiting on tables. It's a little bit more fast transactional. So I could probably do McDonald's pretty well. Or selling pants. Or selling pants. Yeah. They sell themselves. <laughs> you know. And I, I also worked at the little cafe up there. So I, that's when I learned about different coffee drinks and that I like to have a latte or a cappuccino or any kind of hot drink at about 132 degrees versus the normal, you know, warmer temperatures because my mouth is sensitive. I don't want that super hot coffee. Yeah. It's pretty funny to order that. They're like, oh, at the Starbucks, they're like, oh, who has the skinny decaf latte with soy milk at 132 degrees? You got to love it when they call that one out. So That's not your order. No, but it was at one point in time. <laughs> you also had double earrings and, uh, oh yeah, what, yeah, yeah, double earrings on a little chin goatee and you had a nice braided hemp necklace on you were yeah. looking pretty awesome yeah it was uh fun times in the mountains it was so cool because basically everyone was like getting away from their whatever their environment was so uh, there's a ton of people from michigan a lot of folks from the southeast from like you know various small towns a lot of people just you know wanted to get out west and get into the mountains and go hiking and climb shit and do you know fun stuff so most everybody was between 18 and I would say 25 or so. And then there was another set of people that were retired. So there were probably, you know, six or eight of those kind of folks, but yeah, super fun. I came back for a second summer and I was a manager then because I was older and mature and I knew my way around. It was, it was super fun, super fun. We lived in a old motel, an old sort of rundown motel. And it was sort of a dorm setting. You had a roommate and obviously you're living like in a little motel. Room and board is paid for. You didn't make much, but you know, you just needed enough, enough money to go to the liquor store across the street and buy 40s. 40s were very popular <laughs> with the crew. So they, 40 yeah. ounces of beer, yeah, right? Two for bucks the people. will put you on your ass. Yep. Yeah. It was like pretty, pretty cheap. And a lot of people got the, uh, what was called, King Cobra, right? remember the King Cobra? So King Cobra forties, uh, that was a cheap one. It, I think it was like a dollar fifty or a dollar eighty or something like that. And Mickey, then, do you remember Mickey's on the label of Mickey's? It says fine malt liquor. Yeah, which I always Mickey's. found amusing. Yeah, yeah. Some people got the Mickey's, and I often uh, went because I was a little older and more mature. I got the slightly better uh, Coors Light. So. Yeah, now I a little more discerning <laughs> with the beer that I drink. But you know what? If there's a cold one around and everyone's drinking 40s, then maybe I would have one too. I don't know. Maybe not. So my um, adventurous summer was between undergrad and grad school. I went to Europe. I went to England. 
And, um, yeah, I worked retail. I worked at a store called Lush in Covent Garden. And then I also just did weekend trips and traveled around. But that is that is sort of how I got out of town. Did you have any big driver or anything like that where you're like, oh, man, I just I need a break? Yeah, I was, um, you know, grew up in Georgia, went to undergrad at Georgia Tech. I decided to come back to Georgia Tech for grad school. And yeah, I just I needed to get out of town. I was feeling, I think, pretty stagnant. Maybe I didn't have any plans for the summer. Um, and I think it was a program called BUNAC, B-U-N-A-C. And you could get like a six-month work visa, like student work visa. And um, yeah, I can't remember the specifics, but I just remember I didn't want to be in Georgia. And so it was kind of, it was kind of an extreme move. I graduated whatever day. Three days later, I got on a plane. I had, I think, a week or two weeks booked at a hostel. But after that, I had no idea where I was going to stay. And I got over there. Um, I probably had enough money to just tool around for the for the whole summer, but I decided I was going to work. So I got over there, had to find a place to live, had to find a job. I think a girlfriend met me there like maybe the day after for the first week. So I wasn't totally alone for the first week. And then when I came back, I think I came back like two days before grad school started. And I was living with a guy friend, um, platonic guy friend. And he like found us a place to stay. I think my mom went down and approved it. And so I like literally flew back and I was like, well, here's where you're going to live for the next year. So, okay, sure. Oh, wow. That sounds extremely laid back. I know that's not me at all. I know. I don't know. uh, I don't know what I thought. And I applied over there for some ridiculous jobs. I won't even get into it. Um, Yeah. So, but yeah, ended up working retail for the summer and it was super fun. I think that sort of removing yourself from the environment and going somewhere new and like, you know, zero people there Mm -hmm. is a good exercise. And, you know, thinking back, I think it would have been awesome to do after high school. And I know people, you know, some gap year. Yeah. Some countries do the gap year pretty religiously. But yeah, even if it was just a summer for me or something like that, it would have been good. And I could see, you know, even doing like a year, you know, working, like doing some hard stuff, meet a bunch of different people outside, like your normal, your normal community and all the people that you're normally around. Yep. If I did, there's a good chance I would have like dropped out of Georgia Tech, like somewhere in the middle and then maybe like returned some other time or transferred or something like that. Just because like I, I was stressed out there. I was very stressed out. It was it was much it's much more difficult for me to do do the coursework than for you. So see I love I love school. Like it's um they give you a syllabus, they tell you when the tests are gonna be. Like if I, I think that is why I don't succeed at life. I told Doug the other day I'm not good at life. And I'm not very good at life. I have lots of anxiety and stress and Um, I want things to be a certain way and I'm constantly let down, especially relationship wise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, that's what was so awesome about school and college is they give you a syllabus, you know, they tell you what you need to learn. They tell you when the tests are going to be. And like, if you just do, like, it's a whole path and all you have to do is do it and then you do it and 
and then you get an A. Yeah, it sounds easy when you say it like that. <laughs> and I think I loved it. I so one of the, one of the tougher classes. Well, they have the weed out classes first of all, but there there are some classes that are a little harder and they take more time. And because of the the scheduling and, and just how the cookie crumbled, I ended up taking like three of those very hard classes that generally they would advise you, Hey, you, you probably don't want to take those together. They take a lot of time and it's a little bit different than, you know, the other one, one of them is EMAG, right? So a physics class, a lot of people have a little trouble with it. And yeah, I had a little trouble with it the first time I took it, but then the next time I got an A cause I, well, was the second fucking time you do it. <laughs> but like, don't pat yourself on the back too hard. But additionally, <laughs> right. The other part is you have more time to actually put into it. So yeah, you know what? I stand by, I had a really, (laughs) really tough time, but you're right. If someone's like, Hey, here's what's on the test and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, SAT is the same way, right? Like you, you know, the questions, the kind of questions are going to ask, right? You know, the kind of questions, but you don't know like the vocabulary words they're going to ask. I mean, right. Yeah. The point is you're, you're smart, but you, you're just taking it for granted. You're smart. Cause like, I mean, you would have scored and you did score much higher on the SAT than I did. And I think just because you know, what's going to be on the test doesn't mean you could actually like execute it. You're right. So you're right. Anyway, moving on, <laughs> moving on. So eventually we got out of school. I made it out to actually, you know, I'm, I'm talking down. I actually graduated, uh, I graduated. That's it. Now I graduated with honors, right? So I, I mean, I did okay, but for you know other schools, it wouldn't like my GPA would sound like uh, not that great. So what was your GPA when you graduated? It was a uh, three five eight. That's honors. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. When I when I was like, hey, hey, uh, Elizabeth, do you want to do a podcast with me? She's like, sure, what, you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I just need you to bust my balls the whole time. So she's coming through big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was your GPA? I prefer not to say. Okay, that's fair. All right. So eventually, we both got out of school. It was quite high. Yeah, you did good. You did really good. So funny thing. So this is what you brought up earlier. So. I graduated in December of uh, 2003. So it's not the worst thing to graduate like sort of off off season there. Not not a huge deal, but there's not as many companies recruiting, but there's still some, right? There's They're always interviewing because they know they're going to need to hire and have relationships with people coming up. So I interviewed with a bunch of companies, didn't get any offers. Side story, I actually was flown out by a company called Echo Star to Denver to like very close to where we live now. And I did not get the job. So it was one of those like recruiting weekends. They fly out people from all over the country. They treat you nice. You you interview with like four different teams. Zero teams wanted me, didn't get an offer. And I was like, ah, shit, that's disappointing. I really, I kind of wanted to move out here. Yeah. Does that company still exist? I think so. In some, I think in some format through the Dish Network. Oh, so Echo Star. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they had they had an office in Atlanta, and I knew a couple people that worked there as co ops. I think it was off like North Druid Hills Road or something like that. But if you'd got the job, we never would have met. True, that's true. Yeah, and we wouldn't have Georgie. We wouldn't. Have, yeah, we wouldn't have met at all. 
think how much happier you would have been so much sooner. I know. It's crazy. Crazy. So <laughs> I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that job. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, I don't have a job. I'm graduating. I'm going to, I'm just going to work. You know, I'm going to find a job somewhere. So I applied at American Eagle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. American Eagle at like the mall of Georgia. And I went in for the group interview and you know, they're like going around the circle. And I had the, of course, the very strong experience with structure <laughs> and over at Applebee's as well. And th- yeah, I didn't get a job offer there. That was after you graduated. I had not made that connection. That makes me so sad for young little, what, you were probably 24 when you graduated? Yeah, 24. Y- young little 24-year-old Doug yeah. can't even get... But it worked out okay because I also had an interview with Accenture, a good company, and I got the offer like the next day that I got turned down from. But, you know, like I've told you, I'm I'm a busybody and I needed to work and I wanted to do something, even if it was a bullshit job at the mall. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to sit around and wait. And it, it was one of my friends that I met at the Nortel job who lives in Denver now who referred me. So I couldn't actually get, I mean, I, I think I didn't even get an interview with Accenture <laughs> at when they were recruiting because I didn't meet the criteria with my shitty grade point average. But if you got a referral in, usually you're going to do okay. So I did fine and I ended up working at Accenture for a couple of years. Isn't that crazy? I remember for some schools, you had to have a GPA. There was a GPA requirement to even interview with them when they were recruiting on campus. GPA doesn't mean shit. No. Well, and I think the the bad part, and I don't know if this still holds up. I mean, we're talking about grades from like 20 fucking years ago. Like yeah. It obviously doesn't matter now. But I, I had a 358, which is... Pretty decent at A's Georgia and Tech. A's and B's, yeah. Yeah, at Georgia Tech, that's that's pretty good. Like people, people fail. I mean, I knew a lot of people that just like they they left after a while, and I'm sure many other schools are very hard as well. But I also know at other schools, to honors is like it was higher than, than three five. So there's there's like a disconnect between the GPAs from one school to another depending on how hard the curriculum is or the degree. And I had a, maybe a harder degree. I'm not, I'm not sure, but like computer engineering and electrical engineering, you take some higher end math, you're doing like imaginary numbers and triple integrals and other like EMAG for double E's and different, different stuff like that. So I took some, what I think are tougher classes. Tougher than what? Tougher than me? Are you... Well, then, I mean, some people take, yeah, p- potentially. I mean, you, you were in the IE school. What are those managers? Those are just managers. Harsh, man. <laughs> no, I'm sure you could have done done just as well in those. Uh, why, why, are you, why do you have your arms crossed? They've been crossed <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, I know. I think, I know. are you watching the clock? I am watching the clock. Okay. All right, so. Doug's I, got a very all-important brew day coming up here. I had two years or so at Accenture. Learned a lot, learned a lot about the corporate structure and politics, and then went to a uh, one of their competitors who was recruiting heavily 
from the consulting area. And that was Amdocs. But both companies are great. Ended up working at Amdocs for like uh, almost 10 years, almost 10 years before I got laid off. So yeah, and I did, you know, mostly business management consulting, project management, learned a lot of politicking through that whole thing. So what about your, you want to talk anything about your professional career? I know it ends up being, um, you know, potentially, you don't want to mention companies you worked for. Yeah, no, um, not really. I mean, I did, I, I did not, I think ideally your career path sort of builds upon itself. So you sort of naturally go from one job to the next. And I think I did a poor, poor job at that. Um, I've worked at a few hospitals. I've done consulting, I've uh, worked for like, you know, sort of startup-y type small companies. So I've kind of been a little bit all over the map. Jumping around. Yeah. And I think the biggest mistake that I made was the company that I stayed with for, I think a little over a decade. I shouldn't have stayed that long, but it was easy work. They paid me decently well. And, you know, it just didn't, it was just easy. There was nothing really driving me out. And I think I really stagnated there. And that was, that was my big problem. And since I think it was, that was the only one that I stayed for that long. All my other jobs have been, you know, if two, three, four years, you know, you learn everything you can, um, from that company. And if you, if there isn't a different and new role at the company where you can keep learning and growing, you go find something else. Yeah. And I, I got stagnant too, but same deal, good benefits, good yeah. pay, flexible work, which I mean, I think, I think was a lot more rare. I mean, both of us had a flexible gig Mm -hmm. Years before it was, you know, more common. Some people did have remote work, but I mean, we, we did for quite a while. I, yeah, I agree. I remember seeing people that would like jump jobs uh, pretty frequently. Like you said, maybe every two or three years. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. But I think I was just hearing what my management was saying. Cause obviously the management doesn't want people to move around, but you have to look out for yourself because your company is definitely not going to look out for you. They don't really care if you're growing. Yeah. They may tell you that on paper, but they just want to get like the most work for the least amount of, you know, effort in general. Yeah, there's definitely I, I can think of several people that that we know that have stayed with one company for 15, 20 years or whatever. And I think there is definitely a path for that. Um but if you're not on that path and you're just staying because you know, why not? Then that's, that's not good. Yeah. But yeah, we do know people that have done the the 20 years at one company, you know, working their way up through the ranks and they've been very successful, but that is definitely not where I think either one of us were at. No. Yeah. And I, I didn't do a good job navigating like the companies that we were there that I was at for, for 10 years, right. At Amdocs, like I was very slowly like navigating upward, but as you go higher up, there's fewer positions. It's more competitive and you have to put in time for even longer. So, and you didn't want those jobs. No, I, I really, I yeah. didn't. I mean, you think maybe, or I thought maybe I did. And I think maybe a lot of people think they want to go that path because that's the direction that the company needs you to go in. Even if you're not paid that, they'll try and get you to do that work in the consulting environment anyway. And I could tell you, 
I'm thinking of one person who stayed at a company for a long time. And every couple years, he gets very stressed out that he's not getting promoted and he's going to have to do something different, maybe leave the company. They always come through with like the promotion or raise just at the right time. But yeah, I mean, he put in, he put in his time for sure, but he still has, uh, he still has issues every now and then every couple of years. So thanks to Elizabeth for joining me on the show. When you're doing a solo episode, it's definitely nice to have someone to go back and forth and talk about the topic. So that made it a little bit easier. We did abruptly end that episode because I had to jet. I actually joined my friend Matt to do some brewing. So that was a fun day. We had some beers and shared some pizza. So that was fun. Anyway, I think that's it for today. So next episode we have coming up is pretty awesome. It will be, let me pull up my Trello board here. Next episode is a success story update with Christy, who's been on the show several times. She, she's hitting like record highs of, I think, traffic and revenue, most importantly, revenue. So even after COVID-19 with commission rate changes and just many things shifting in the affiliate marketing world and a multi-profit kind of site like Christy has, she's still doing awesome. So we go through a lot of the details there. And that is the next episode. So we'll catch you on the next one. Have a great day out there.